You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Hi, and welcome to The Compass, the podcast documenting the struggles of life as an artist. I'm Leah Walsh. Today, my guest is one of my closest friends, director Lori Walter Hudson. Lori is an amazing director. She runs a theater company called Three Day Hangover with her husband, David, and fellow director, Beth Gardner. She works with New Play Development with the New Harmony Project, and she and David are the new parents to a baby girl named Isabel, who was in the room with us for this interview. I hope you enjoy episode nine of The Compass. So I'm here with Lori and with baby Izzy. If you hear a squeaking in the background, that's baby Izzy is sleeping in the swing that's swinging back and forth. So that is her presence making itself yeah. known. We're going to, we're going to keep that going as long as we can. <laughs> as long as we can. Just we'll little see. creak in the background. I'm really happy that she's in the room with us. And this is also the first time I haven't recorded in my own bedroom. We're in Lori's living room right now. So this will be an adventure. Yeah. So we'll see. Adventures. Yay. Yay. Um, so what, what is the dark side to you as an artist? What does it look like and what does it feel like for you when you feel yourself going to that place and what do you do to try to keep yourself from there? Um, I think the dark side for me is uh, ending up in the pity party where it's just nothing's happening for me. I, uh, you know... If I was only given a chance, I could do X, Y, Z. And, um, and feeling helpless and like I can't do anything to change it. Um, I think that's something probably every artist struggles with is what can I do to be doing the work that I want to be doing? Um, and... Yeah, you know, of course it happens for everybody probably more than they want because we never want to be in the dark place. But, um, you know, so often like looking back, some of the best stuff I've done has come out of, you know, those low, low spots of, you know, what what will happen now <laughs> and then being forced in a way to come up with something. And for me, you know, probably when I was younger in my 20s, I used to make all these lists and I just put down every show. You know, I, I used to have a spreadsheet. This is funny. 
I haven't thought about this in a while, but I used to have a spreadsheet where I would, you know, list all these Broadway shows or off-Broadway shows or um, uh, directors I wanted to work with, and I would just put them down and figure out, you know, how I could get in touch with them or how I could, you know, who I could talk to 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 try to work on the show. And, and sometimes that would work, and sometimes it, most of the time probably it didn't. Um, but now it's more about, uh, instead of like assisting projects, it's what do I want to direct and how do I make that happen? And, um, since, uh, in the last two years, I've formed a theater company with, um, two other people and that has created a lot more opportunities to do work that I'm excited about and, um, explore, you know, things I wouldn't have ever directed probably. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah, just push myself in new ways, which has been totally rewarding and maddening and, uh, exciting and scary in yeah. all the best ways. What is that like as a director to, I mean, like you're saying, to be able to create your own work is obviously like a huge tool yeah. to get yourself out of feeling like you're stuck or that you're not being recognized. Well, it's hard because, you know, that was always the thing. We, I'd sit on in on these panels, you know, um, and hear directors that we really admired talk about their projects or how they got to, you know, where they are and and or advice from, you know, people working at MTC or Roundabout or, you know, like how, you know, somebody would always ask, how, how, how do you find the next big director? Like, or how can my, how can I work at your theater? And, you know, there's like 50 to a hundred, like 25 year olds staring with big eyes, like, yeah, yeah, that's me. I'm the best. And you should be looking at my work. And they're like, you know, well, you need to do something that I can see. Hmm. And that's so simple <laughs> sounding mm -hmm. and so hard I think to to do um in reality because you know we're all directing or we you know I was directing like things in 10 minute play festivals or like the night of one acts where everybody's right. doing their or you can invite people but yeah are they really gonna come the associate artistic director right. of MTC is not gonna come right. see my one act <laughs> um <laughs> or your 10 minute play within a, a program of yeah 10, 10 minute plays of course not so so that was tricky and you know we're all like using the same three cubes and a chair mm -hmm. it's not like I am showcasing the design uh, collaboration that, um, you know, I'm potentially capable of. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, the company changed what I was able to do in terms of, uh, realizing an actual full length project. And, uh, and that's been fantastic. Um, we, <laughs> the company's <laughs> called three day hangover and we do plays in bars. So the, location was sort of determined for us and we've now moved outside of a bar and we've created our own bar in this funky <laughs> church space <laughs> um but yeah it's it's now tricky to kind of um go back to those people and say hey you need to take this seriously even though it sounds really silly and I'm inviting you to a play in a bar and you've probably seen 
a hundred productions of Romeo and Juliet, but this one's different and this right. is why. And, you know, I, I don't know that that's um, always gotten through to people, but, you know, at least I'm happier now because I'm fulfilled by my own work so that the pressure is sort of off to, to, you know, produce this big showcase for me because right. I think it's good. So I don't care as much about other people coming to also right. put their or stamp giving of you approval. opportunities. Yeah. yeah. But that, that's part of the thing that um, is hard about making your own work is that you kind of have to be the producer too. Yeah. And so I know that you've kind of taken that on for three day hangover even yeah. though you get to direct, it's it's you, another director, and then your husband, David, who's an actor-producer. Mm-hmm. Um, so you get to direct half the shows. Yeah. But you're also a producer. Yeah. So what is that like? Because that's a huge responsibility, but it gives you the <laughs> power of directing your own work. Yeah, it it, it is a lot. And um, the thing that's really good about the three of us is we all have very different strengths and they for the most part balance we balance each other out really well um you know we we all bring something different to the table and when beth for example is directing a project as she is now it's a little funky right now because i just had a baby (laughs) so i've um kind of really taken a step back um Mm -hmm. with this upcoming show we're doing Tartuffe and we just did a production of um Dracula that I was directing until I wasn't yes we'll talk more (laughs) Um, about that yeah (laughs) so um so when I'm not directing I am typically a lot more involved in you know helping out with press and marketing front of house um props if you know somebody needs to run out and get uh you know 500 squirt guns I will research where (laughs) those can be gotten um or you know even just like checking the toilet paper in the bathrooms which is something that you know well, it's if you're not, doing a show in a bar, yeah, that's a priority. <laughs> it's not glamorous, but sometimes yeah. necessary. And, you know, there has been a lot of, like, bar scouting, which I really enjoy, and, like, figuring out the next place that we're going to be and how a space can work for us. And, um, and so I think for all three of us, there are aspects of producing that we all really enjoy. And then there's, you know, the grunt work that nobody likes – <laughs> taking out the trash down yep. two flights of stairs when the bag rips at the end of the night and bottles and cans and trash goes everywhere. And, you know, <laughs> like that's the night, that's the end of the night. But you know, you get to come back and like have another night ahead of you where a hundred people are going to come and really enjoy your work and tell you about it. And so right. that's why you, you say, okay, I'm going to show up again tomorrow. And you all really work together so that even if you're playing that part, on the play that Beth's directing, then she supports you on yeah. the play that you're directing. Yeah, and she stepped you support up. David when he's acting in mm-hmm. one. And Absolutely, and he these two are the first where he hasn't um, been involved as a performer, and that was strategic because we knew uh, our lives would be a little chaotic mm-hmm. <laughs> this fall. We just didn't know how chaotic, um, and. Yeah, it's uh, it's all worked out for the most part. And, you know, if we need to bring in extra people for help with things, um, we 
we try to do that, you know, with friends that right. um, have either worked with us before or, you know, people that we know are new to the city and it's like a good learning experience kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, we've we've been able so far to like tag team and, and make sure everything's covered and nobody gets stuck with too much mm-hmm. typically. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about how you guys started the company? Beth was directing, uh, well, I think we were all probably stuck looking for projects. And um, and Beth and David went to grad school together at UC Irvine, and a friend of theirs from Irvine, two friends actually, created this show called The Hamlet Project. And it had been running for a while very successfully in... Los Angeles and we had some friends then in Chicago that picked it up and had done um, a short run of it in Chicago and then that went well and I think they did a a second round in Chicago and I mean it's a pretty simple premise Um, it's a drinking game version of Hamlet Uh, the Hamlet the cool thing is it rotates where at least the way they did it in LA um, they would have a Hamlet on for a month and they would do it in a bar and it's sort of like when you hear certain words you're going to hear a bell and then everybody drinks and an audience member plays Polonius and and there's just some fun things um, built into the script in the evening where it's a short fun um, enjoyable night and then the Hamlet each month sort of determines the style and the feel of the production and um, and that seemed really interesting and unique, you know, that an actor is going to have that say, especially, you know, in an iconic role like Hamlet, <laughs> you know, you get to determine a little bit about like what, what the, um, feel of the production is like, if there's a concept quote unquote, mm-hmm. you know, you get to kind of run with that. Um, so it seemed really cool and it was going really well for them. And, um, and so Beth and David were talking about doing, uh, production of it here and she knew a, a bar owner in Greenpoint and he was gonna like let them use his bar for two nights um, so they <laughs> sort of put it together and um, by default I was helping out mostly with David <laughs> and getting <laughs> off book which <laughs> sort of happened by the first performance ish um yeah it was definitely like standing in the house with a script and I think we had created some sort of punishment like if he had to call for line he was gonna have to do a shot which I don't know that we really thought that through <laughs> but at least I then think. it was like part of the show yeah kind of yeah to yeah. make up for uh how hastily <laughs> it was thrown together and the thing was it uh it was so much fun we packed the house both nights it was a tiny teeny little bar um i know i saw it and we had i think like we were selling 25 seats um and it sold out both nights and we maybe packed like 29 or 30 people in this little bar in the winter well it was march um of 2013 so it was cold out and you know the thing that was exciting was at the end uh, of both nights, everybody was like, this is so cool. You have to do this again. Like, (laughs) this is great. I want to be in it. Or, you know, like how did just asking all about the show and where it came from and, and, you know, asking when we were going to do it again so that people could bring their friends. Um, (laughs) So we were like, 
sure, we should do it again. That went really well. Uh, and we could fix all the things that went wrong. Like, you know, the show could be better. We could find maybe find a space in the city and like look for some bar in Manhattan where we could do it. And, mm-hmm. and so we kept brainstorming. And, you know, I think it all came from it felt really good to do something like David I I think hadn't like had a really big meaty role since grad school so of course like getting to play Hamlet that's really appealing yeah um Beth is like all about scrappy Shakespeare I mean like that is so (laughs) her bag and she's so good at it um yeah and she had directed David in this gorgeous and amazing production of The Winter's Tale that I Mm. saw at UCI and and it for me had that same feel where it was just like everybody putting in their best self and um you know like that thrown together way of like when a collaboration happens and it's very um grassroots and bare bones but it all clicks and works that's what we had going for us with with this Hamlet project um so we looked for a bar and I found a space uh that I had used like literally a decade earlier when I was uh working at Signature Theater Company we had all of our well several of our opening and closing night parties at the Irish Rogue Mm -hmm. and it was now Harley's Smoke Shack and barbecue. <laughs> um, but I knew that they Wasn't had a it called something else before that. No, or it was, it was the rogue was and the rogue and then Harley's and then Harley's. And then now it's something else. Now it's Quinn's. Now Irish. it's Quinn's. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, well, and there's so much to tell there. <laughs> that, that, that change happened uh, in the middle of a show. Yes. Right? The week yeah. before we opened R and J. Um, but yeah, so we found this space. They were going to let us use it for free, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had talked vaguely about a mi- hitting a bar minimum, but it was kind of like a spit and a handshake thing. So we were like, great, let's get in there. Let's figure out dates. We can do it. And um, and I remember, you know, like meeting Tina was her name, the manager there. Uh, I met Tina and, you know, she was like, so, you know, I said, oh, I'm with this theater company and we're doing this production you know of Hamlet in a bar and she's looking at me like what are you talking about um and then at the end of the conversation you know we're shaking hands and I'm talking about when I'm gonna follow up and um and she you know it's like wait what was the name of your company again and I it's like oh um we are working that out (laughs) and suddenly it was like oh we need to have a name we're a company we're a company and we need to have a name and wow so that's that's something I should email them about next step yeah um and like part b of that story is that a friend of ours Ben Charles had seen um seen one of the two performances at the Exley in Brooklyn and he had also seen a production in Chicago, and so he was like very into what was happening. And um, and he came up to me after the show and was like, "I think this would work. This kind like this style of show would work so well with Romeo and Juliet." And I I think I could do like a cut of it. And I was like, "Oh, sweet! That sounds great. You go ahead and do that." <laughs> and and I think I you know said like if you if you want to do a cut of it, like just put something together and we'll we'll put together a reading. 
And then, you know, he actually took me up on it. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> like bugging me about this, this cut. And I was like, Oh, okay. So, so in the um, process of like putting together the dates and the space for Hamlet, we were also figuring out like this Romeo and Juliet thing. And, um, and we, once we had the script ready and realized like, this is a really good idea. And, we could maybe run this in repertory with the Hamlet project. So we talked to Harley's about um, a four month sort of residency, which, you know, I don't know that they thought of it that way, but we were blocking out all these weekends. Um, and we were gonna do Hamlet for a month, R&J for a month. And it was sort of like a, a three week, three weekend run of each with like a week a weekend off in between to kind of change over. Um, but, and one cast would rehearse while the next, while the mm -hmm. previous show was up, you know, this, the summer stock model, uh, just sort of condensed. And then we would get like sort of two passes at Hamlet with like two different Hamlets. And then R and J we were going to swap and like do, uh, you know, one cast and then change out for the second. Um, and then, you know, life happened or things got weird with the schedule and the timing and and suddenly we were just gonna do a uh, one run of Hamlet and then one run of Romeo and Juliet and and that was part of the company thing too we were like if we're running these in rep we need so and so presents right. <laughs> this thing and we were looking at getting a publicist which we thought we needed to do but didn't know anything about and you know, our eyes were opened when we figured out how much that would cost. Right. And suddenly that was like, oh, gosh, we're all going to put in our own money to do this because we think it's important. Right. But gosh, that's a lot of money. And, you know, I think it was a couple hundred bucks uh, in the beginning. But, you know, when that's like that's your so, yeah. money and you don't know, <laughs> you don't know like how it's going to go or like you know you're also figuring out your life and meals and things um yeah it's a lot but it's all it's all worked out <laughs> <laughs> I say that and I laugh you say that now yeah what has it been like for you to have this theater company and have one of your partners be your husband Oof. like to be working consistently with your partner yeah I mean that is Mm. it's pretty amazing and I think most of the time it's the best because you have a shorthand in a way um, and I think probably a lot of business partners end up being almost as close as partners if you're if you're doing a lot of business let's say but um, just because of the, the close proximity and you have to form a language and how you talk about the work and right. um, how you talk about not the work artistically, but the work <laughs> um, of the actual physical, uh, like email-y, like office things that have to get done. Um, and, and so because we have a, a shorthand already, that's, that's, always good and um and we're pretty much on the same page about everything because we we know you know we're one step ahead of the other person in how we're going to think and respond and um and use marketing language like 
he knows what I'm attracted to or like what uh, sounds good to me or how I would write a Facebook post, Uh something that (laughs) stupid. Um, But, you know, if you're doing that three, five, seven days a week during show weeks, I mean, it's um, it's something that in the beginning, even figuring out the company stuff, we would we would go back and forth about for sometimes longer than we should have um and and artistically you know David's been in a lot of a lot of the productions as an actor and I've directed him um I mean yeah three times four three times um and and that's always great as well like the 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 part about you know, the no bullshit where I know, (laughs) I know when he's not giving everything or when he, um, is shying away from something or, or is playing the safest choice, uh, instead of, there's some giggles. Little little Izzy noises. Um, She's waking up. Uh (laughs) Turn down your iPod. (laughs) Nobody's listening on an iPod. Um, I don't know. Maybe they are. Somebody has an iPod somewhere. I mean, the other part of that is that it's really hard, you know, because you are going to push your partner so much um, and you're up in their face anyway with life. Hopefully. I mean, there are times when we don't right, see each other. <laughs> so it's but like, in theory, you're oh, together all we're the time. in rehearsal. Right. This is great that I'm seeing you because we have scheduled hours where we're in mm-hmm. the same room. We're just not talking like people. We're artists uh, right. in the space together. But, um, but yeah, it, it can be rough. I mean, David is, um, an actor that wants to leave rehearsal and, and kind of be done and like turn it off and not, uh, think about, you know, the thing like good or bad, like what, what just happened. And I'm, (laughs) I've got to ride the train and talk about rehearsal. I've got to, you know, get home and talk about rehearsal. (laughs) I've got to think about rehearsal for the next day when I get home and wake up. And I want to, you know, just only like live in this world of, uh, the play and, you know, he needs time to watch sports center (laughs) and stuff. And, um, and I think I've gotten better about respecting that. Um, and you know, he, and when he really needs to, (laughs) um, when he needs to vent, uh, sometimes that can be at me or with me. And then sometimes he just needs to like call a friend and like go get a beer and Mm -hmm. do that. And we have our own, our own time, um, apart, which is super important and that's what friends are for and you're like hey <laughs> come meet me because I need to just debrief I about talk all about the things everything, including my spouse yes yes go uh-huh um so yeah, that definitely course. happens of and course. but I you know we've been together so long now that we were much better at um you know kind of I hope uh, anticipating the other person and and where they're at and and their needs um, artistically or otherwise, and then um, you know figuring out like how how to navigate um, what is ahead, which is always the hardest part, especially you know like gearing up and like show we like getting a show open. There's a million things that have to get done. It's so stressful. Um, just trying to like 
pick the other person up and saying, what can I help you with? What can Mm -hmm. I take off your plate? Um, And, you know, probably even more as producers, like there's just uh, so much and, and some, some stuff I can't help him with. He has to do it himself and that's, you know, hard for him and frustrating for me, but like, that's, that's the way it is. And, um, and vice versa, you know, we've, he's had, we've had conversations with him as a producer and myself as a director where, you know, budget things or like, mm-hmm. <laughs> the show needs to be 10 minutes shorter. The show can't be 10 minutes shorter. <laughs> um, but like I said, for the most part, we, we do share an aesthetic and, uh, and a language and that solves most of our problems, right. I think. Um, well, there's lots of things besides Three Day Hangover I want to talk about, but before we move off of that, just the huge events that have happened for you guys <laughs> in the last couple of months, I want to talk about a little bit, like you were getting ready to direct Ham, or not Hamlet, to direct Dracula, mm-hmm. and have it open a couple of weeks before Izzy was due, mm-hmm. and then she ended up coming, what, a month and a half yeah. early? Yeah. And... Obviously, you and David are two of the three artistic directors of the company, and you ended <laughs> up <laughs> kind of naming a what, a co-director or just passing over the directorship yeah. to well, your assistant. What was that like? What has it all been like for you to have? I know that you. I mean, obviously, you knew you were having a baby, and you planned to have <laughs> this play happen at the around the same belly. time. Yeah, but it's it all really ended big. up crashing into each other. Yeah. Um, we had very strategically chosen dates and we actually, we were supposed to open the show a week earlier, um, somewhere around September 23rd, I think. But, um, yeah, we were going to front load it, even though it was Dracula and it had to be in October. It just had to be like this, you know, uh, fall October show for Halloween. Um, I was like, feeling a little nervous about it and um and so we were working with this earlier September date and um and then it was really hard to cast we you know like the shows always are we have people in place and then we lose people and um you know somebody gets a gig and then that person's gone and then it's like trying to figure out the rest of the cast and juggling and um schedules and all the things so we moved uh, the opening date back. So we were going to have first preview September 30th, open October 7th, 2nd, sorry. And, um, and then run through mid October. And I was like, well, that's tight. My due date is (laughs) October 19th, but everybody says you go late with your first baby. It's going to be fine. Um, and I was really excited to direct this show. I feel like, you know, one of the personal challenges I've had um, you know, with each project with three day hangover, it's just to like do something very different, um, for myself and, and the company. But, uh, but yeah, this was going to be different from each other, different from each other. And then, you know, better, hopefully (laughs) always, right. We always want to create, uh, work that is better than the last project. Mm -hmm. So like, how is this going to be my new masterpiece? Right. And Um, not just a version of the same. Yeah. No old tricks, like coming up with new, exciting stuff. Um, yeah, so that challenge was really exciting to me and to kind of like go out on a bang right before <laughs> this huge life shift that I was very much not in control of. 
um, this thing of becoming a mom and uh, having a baby in New York City, which is, you know, been something <laughs> I've <laughs> thought about for a long time and never quite knew how it would work. And I, you know, still figuring out <laughs> how that's mm -hmm. working, but it's happening. So it's working. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, it, the, it was a tight schedule in the beginning to say the least, but you know, we, we all felt pretty good about it. Um, yeah. Then, um, I guess it was the, yeah, the week of first rehearsal, <laughs> um, uh, the day it was the day before first rehearsal, I ended up in the hospital with some complications and, um, and that was sort of the first, like, real red flag I had just secured an associate director kind of s telling her it, it was looking like we were gonna have to maybe deliver earlier than the 19th um so we were negotiating with my doctors about like how how late <laughs> we could push it and of course <laughs> we didn't want you know the baby to be in any danger but it was just sort of one of those things where they were like we think it should be earlier and without getting into all the details we were looking at like basically the week the show opened uh, right. of having uh, a C-section um, because I wasn't going to be able to have a uh, natural, like vaginal birth. Then I was in the hospital <laughs> and suddenly um, my associate director, Kristen McCarthy Parker, who is amazing. Um, I was like sending her to this read through and she hadn't like, I'd maybe just sent her the script, but I don't think she'd read it. Right. She um, didn't think she was going to yeah. be running the read through. She, yeah. So, um, I, everything was looking very stable for me. I was just looking like I was going to need to stay in the hospital for a few days for observation. Um, and so David came back, uh, ran sort of, uh, the first read through with all the actors and I Skyped in and, you know, from my hospital bed <laughs> and my hospital gown, trying not to look a complete mess or a complete fool. Um, I'm like waving at people that I haven't actually met yet that Aww. are cast in this show and trying to, you know, like reassure everyone that I'm fine. Everything's fine. Uh -huh. I'm going to get out and we're going to be great and get back on track and it's going to be a wild ride, but don't worry. We've, you know, got it under control. And, um, and sure enough, I was, uh, Kristen ran, um, two, maybe, no, I think only one rehearsal for me. I, I went into the hospital Monday. First rehearsal was Tuesday. I was out of the hospital. There was rehearsal on Thursday. I was out of the hospital Friday and I went to rehearsal Friday night, Saturday, <laughs> uh, Monday was labor day and we had rehearsal and was at rehearsal on Monday and then I went back to work Tuesday um we went back to the doctor's office and like after <laughs> little baby sound wheels after that we um we set a new date for the c-section and it was going to be September 23rd which is your birthday mm -hmm. so you know we were like sort of wide-eyed but trying to take it all uh, in and um and you know, figured out like, okay, we're going to make this work. And I, I remember going to rehearsal that night and I didn't tell, um, I think I didn't get a chance to talk to Kristen about it, but I had talked to our stage manager and said, you know, we just sort of found out David, Beth, and I need to come up with a plan, but we're going to work it out. 
um, we'll figure it out with Kristen and, um, and just make sure that everybody's taken care of for that last week going into performances. Um, we had a, actually a great rehearsal that night. Like I, I do think it is one of the few gifts I was given on that production that, um, so part of, I didn't say this before, but part of, uh, what I was so excited about is that my dad makes haunted houses. So (laughs) Dracula was like the perfect, and I'd met Steven, uh, Steven Dietz. We were doing his version, um, of the story and I'd met him at the new harmony project and my dad has you know made these haunted attractions as Mm -hmm. he calls them in Evansville Indiana where we went to college that's right Mm -hmm. um he's done that for over 30 years so I have this weird background of like (laughs) spooky scary (laughs) like I it's just totally my bag and then um this new like lovely rich wonderful and funny like surprisingly funny uh version of the script from Stephen and he was being so game with collaboration um like changing things and coming up with ideas and like his end for act one I just remember reading and I was like this is brilliant like he's the best <laughs> oh. well and he was so supportive of you like adapting it yeah for this kind of show he he's he was game from That's the beginning great. and so so amazing because so far you had only done shows by dead playwrights yeah it was classics um, like Shakespeare or Chekhov mm-hmm. okay yeah this was definitely the first new play and you know it was mostly us doing that because we <laughs> didn't want to pay royalties exactly <laughs> Which, <laughs> that's an intelligent choice yeah um but you know in the grand scheme of things it was totally worth the whatever 65 dollars a night or something that we mm-hmm. paid um because it it really it was such a rich and wonderful process and and I say that only being part of part of it, which I'm getting to. Okay, long-winded. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that night, the, my last rehearsal in the space, we came up with this brilliant, it was like all, all of my favorite things about Three Day Hangover and what we're capable of and, um, and the collaborative process at work. Um, we went in and we were doing the big sequence where Lucy um has turned into a vampire spoiler and um and they're about to um kill her in the coffin um at the graveyard and we I don't know even how it happened it's it's one of those perfect things where it's completely organically out of nowhere (laughs) emerged um somehow we were working with the lyrics from a total eclipse of the heart. So somebody was like, turn around. And then it was like, <laughs> every now and then I get a little bit, Brilliant. you know. So then, then we're like all on our phone suddenly, like Googling the lyrics for total eclipse <laughs> of the heart and like working because, you know, we didn't have it in the script. But I was like, yes. And then, you know, Van Yingling slash Van Helsing and, you know, um, Harker will run around and then you guys can do a little <laughs> bit of backup over here and then Seward can, you know, take this line and then she can sing that. And um, and it turned into like one of my favorite sequences. I mean, that in, was one of my favorite sequences when in I the saw show. It, it was so it. great. And it was like it just happened. It just happened because people felt free in the room to offer their ideas and like 
play and sing and be silly. And, you know, I came home that night thinking, I'm not even going to tell David about this because it could be so dumb. We have to cut (laughs) it tomorrow and I'm going to be so sad. But if it works, I want it to be a surprise, you know, just to really Mm -hmm. like, there are a few things where you just want somebody to like respond and say, yeah, that was instead of real dumb. If you were to tell him what had happened. So, so that happened and I was really pumped and, you know, kind of nervous that it would have to go, but at least we had something there to work from. Um, and then, you know, sure enough, two in the morning that, that night, um, I woke up and, um, and we're suddenly, um, rushing to the hospital and, um, and we got to the hospital and they were like, you know, everything looks great. We're we're fine. We're probably just going to have to keep you here. And they had told us this, you know, if you come back, um, because it wasn't for sure I would be released the week before, but I was, and they said, you know, if you come back, you're staying till you have the baby. And I was just like, Ooh. Oh, <laughs> three weeks. I'm going to be in this right. hospital for three weeks. That's hum- and that's like humongous. What am I going to do? you know, six o'clock, the doctors come by and like, Oh yeah, the baby looks great. Just, you know, we'll come by for rounds later, but it just settle in. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh my God, this is a disaster. Um, and then, you know, around eight, eight thirty, my nurse came in and, you know, it's like, Hmm, we're, uh, seeing a few things on the monitor. Are you, are you feeling anything? And I was like, no, I'm, I'm good. What's, what's going on? She's like, well, it's just a few contractions, but they're really far apart. And I'm sh- it's, it might just be a little blip. And then it wasn't a blip. And they went from 10 minutes apart to five minutes apart to two minutes apart. And then suddenly my doctor was coming in to tell us, you know, we were probably going to have the baby that day. And yeah. <laughs> it was, you know, I was 34 weeks and two days. And because I'd been in the week before, they'd given us or me a steroid shot. Um, two steroid shots to to bump up the lung and uh, intestine development. So we were in okay shape, and she looked like she was a good, or we didn't know if it was a boy or a girl, but the baby was <laughs> seemingly a good size because um, we thought we were going to have a giant baby, <laughs> and she would have been a giant baby if she'd made it right. to, I mean, I was, my due right. date was this week, which I is know. crazy. So um, anyway, by noon, we or 1 p.m., we had a beautiful screaming baby girl, and uh, she was up in the NICU for a few days, and it was a wild and crazy thing. Um, but Kristen stepped in, took over rehearsals. Beth stepped in, helped taking over rehearsals that Kristen couldn't mm-hmm. be at. Um, David stayed with me, which was awesome that everybody sort of like, you know, in that way that the show must go on thing like everybody just did what needed to be done to make it happen and we got our time together and we all then were finally out of the hospital which was great and his parents were here and so they actually ran a bunch of errands like on photo call day you know mike and cheryl went up to the (laughs) upper east side to get costumes and like get them up to the upper west side and um and you know it all worked out and and I was able to look because I was doing okay like 
I was able to see some of the last couple runs and give notes and be at rehearsal and, you know, bring her with me and, you know, just keep her strapped on until she started screaming and then I'd leave (laughs) and feed her. Uh, And what a crazy thing that it just happened that you guys doing a show happened to be wrapped up all around the time when you had your first kid. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in hindsight, like, what kind of idiots would ever do that? <laughs> but well, at the time, you think you know, you think yeah. you have control over. Oh, that's the due date. That's the due date. Yeah, oh. it was such a lesson, and it you know, in letting go. Yeah. I mean, yeah. One of my mantras in, in my prenatal <laughs> yoga class was let go, and, and there you go. I didn't know that it would be used in all the ways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But oh my goodness. Hey, she's going to have the she's best stories. Now. She's got great stories. Best pictures. There was one day where I changed her on the coffin. And <laughs> that's just going to go in the baby book now. Oh, so yeah. there you go. She'll love that when she's alive. <laughs> okay. So if we can talk a little bit pre-baby, mm-hmm. um, even though all I want to do is talk about the baby. Um, <laughs> so it's just an easy <laughs> distraction. I know you've done a lot of assisting yep, as a director and some like very prestigious assisting on Broadway and some amazing shows. But I also know that's like a strange thing, kind of like with playwrights that directors, there's only one, mm-hmm. <laughs> one and a half on each show. Like, yep. um, so you're considered quote unquote emerging forever. Yeah. Until you finally like get your shot and people are like, okay, we're just going to call you a director now. Yeah. What was, what has that been like for you? Oh. And I know now now you've taken control of the situation. You've given yourself your own work. But like trying to pursue within the system. Yeah. I mean, and doing a lot of assisting. What was that like? It's super frustrating. I mean, um, it's, you know, that that thing I said before, that Catch-22 thing about like, we can't hire you until we see your work. But you can't see my work right. until I get a chance to mm-hmm. do some work. And then, you know, that switch of now that I'm creating work, I'm ve- I'm creating a very specific type of work, which, you know, I think people, it, it, there are labels and typecasts in every field. And, you know, I think, oh, if I, if I get a shot now, it's going to be because I'm the immersive bar theater director, you know, like <laughs> I wouldn't be given, um, Oh, I don't know. I guess like an, a legit Arthur Miller. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to, I mean, okay. I'd love to direct the crucible. Let's do that. But you know, people would be like, well, but are you going to set it in a bar? Is there going <laughs> to be drinking? <laughs> are we going to have to run around and like, um, and I think, I mean, I actually think there's a very fun version of that <laughs> that could probably happen where we all get to hunt the witches. Uh, no. But, um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that I can do other things than bar theater. Um, and I have this really lovely and rich history too of like new play development. I've been with the new harmony project, uh, I think this will be my 13th year, oh my which is insane. Um, yeah. starting as an intern, you know, in college when we were the year what, yeah, after our 19. freshman year. Yeah. <laughs> getting exposed to these amazing playwrights and new plays and in this gorgeous, idyllic utopian community that really shaped, you know, where I've come from 
And so getting a shot to work with new plays and young playwrights, emerging playwrights, um, <laughs> who face that same thing. Yeah. Um, band together. Yeah. It's, it's tricky and it's hard here. You know, like the, um, the other advice, you know, that I've heard so often is tie yourself to a, a, a new playwright and come through the ranks with them. Mm. And, and I think that's maybe a little easier to do, um, if you have that through a grad program where, you know, like, Yale or UCSD where you're working together with somebody and, and you're going to leave after three or four years and say, yeah, um, mm-hmm. we, we do this thing together really well. But I, I don't, I've maybe tried to make that happen with some new harmony writers that I've met through the years, but, but they also have the people that they've worked with or, you know, as they tell me, like they're given directors that are, a lot fancier than I am when they actually get play readings at some of the bigger theaters or a production at even right, a smaller they theater. They don't have a choice. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just, it, that's the powerless feeling again of like, well, how am I supposed to, you know, unless I'm going to do it myself and just say either it's going to be a, a reading in my living room or I'm going to raise, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, ten to to $100,000 to do, mm-hmm. like there's um, a writer a composer I've been working with for years who I love, Joel B. New, I love you. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've been working on a show for, I want to say almost six years now, five years. And it just is one of those things where there's so much that I like, it's, it's such a, an amazing piece. And we have had so many different incarnations, but we just need somebody to say, here's the money. Like let's Wait, workshop it. I'll fund you. But if he, got approached excuse me by a theater and they handed him a director I mean I would have to just like let that happen which you know would break my heart but for the sake of the show right my god of course like do the you know workshop at second stage I don't you know like take it go um but then you know where does that leave me it just leaves me with five years of development with a really lovely piece and a relationship I've formed with a composer that hopefully you know should he get that break will one day bring me back mm-hmm. in right, but there's no promises yeah no no um it's tricky I mean I think the like deep down tucked away secret hope is that some show will be such a hit that the right person will see it and give me the opportunity or the relationships that I've made over the last 10 15 years now um will start materializing in well yeah i she's been around a while <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i think i thought in my 20s well, i thought everything you're fantastic to work with well so. thanks yeah it's just i no, guess it's you just, just not hope. as it's not as much of a straight line as you hope it is yeah yeah for anyone for actors or f- for directors mm-hmm. and that's you know frustrating that's, that's and where you have to avoid the dark side yeah then, yeah yeah um one i am just so impressed and proud of you guys that you decided to start a family within this <laughs> happy within, crying happy yes. crying uh-huh. within this world that we're all trying to build for ourselves which is theater or art or which is not dependable mm-hmm 
So that's, I mean, it's something that Frankie and I want to do, and it, I'm just in awe of you and David that you guys did it. You went ahead and just <laughs> went for it. Um, and I know that it's just happened. It has just happened, and this is a crazy time for me to ask you to be on the podcast, and you're, you know, everything <laughs> oh, is gosh. in flux. Maybe I asked things in the wrong in the wrong sequence. I wanted to talk about your day job as well. Mm-hmm. But then besides your day job, how are you what are the big priorities in your mind right now being yeah. a new mom and of course wanting to prioritize art as well but then also having to go back to a full-time day job in a few months yeah all the, all the things where's your head at with all of it um it's oh it's all over the place I mean I I've been very fortunate where when I first got to the city um I was working in theater at a theater and, and, you know, I learned so much and I, and I had worked at a bunch of theaters, like as, you know, like the, in the summers. Yeah. The, the and... chair of our department uh, in undergrad called me the, the intern queen, <laughs> John David Lutz shout out. Um, yeah, he, he thought it was hysterical but I I grew up in Evansville and I went to school at Evansville and um and I made it a point that I wasn't going to hang around that was so smart every summer I needed to get out and do something ideally theater related um and and that worked out really well for me and then I was able to kind of switch because I had these skills um these administrative office skills um where I could go into temp jobs and um and was able to kind of make a transition from working administratively in a theater and not making so much of the monies (laughs) Uh, I mean I I can't wait to tell my grandkids someday like I made I moved to New York City and I made 75 dollars a week and I walked uphill in the snow and I walked downhill in the snow but the money part was real that was really how much I made yeah but 75 dollars was real um, and, and my rent was not $75. <laughs> um, yeah. So that was, uh, that was nuts. And so, yeah, when I switched to kind of doing this, you know, <laughs> slightly soul crushing corporate work, um, I say that though with a smile, I, there are so many things that my brain is rewarded by and, you know, like I, I'm, pretty type a and i like to have everything is it like checking things off a list yeah and it's like i like making someone's schedule very organized and i like filing (laughs) creating filing systems and i you know don't mind booking travel and creating uh you know schedule and Mm -hmm. spreadsheets i mean the tricky thing is when that gets to be so all-consuming and takes over my free time um in the evenings and weekends, then, you know, if, if it's a job and I've found this to be true where I'm on a Blackberry or now, you know, with even the corporate world to switch over to the iPhones, um, where I'm checking my email for work and stuff after hours or like I'm on the phone with travel all day on Saturday because of weather in, you know, Seattle, it's just, it's rough. And that, that gets to be too much for me, but I've, I've been very lucky where I've found these jobs, um, a couple at a couple different places where I, 
I feel like my I'm rewarded as a person and people value me and and you know I'm I'm so interesting suddenly as an artist <laughs> in a world of finance um you know that's that's kind of fun where these people that I would normally never interact with I can get them to come out to my shows and they have a great time which is really cool hmm. and for the most part they're all awesome people and I I value the friendships I've made over the years some of my very close friends now are people I've worked with Hmm. at my you know at the time like throwaway temp job that turned into something more and and this has allowed me 16 weeks of paid maternity leave which (sighs) could just never happen if I worked uh unfortunately if I worked for a theater company so that is such a gift Um, and yeah, now it's me reassessing, (laughs) figuring out, you know, when I go back in a few months, yeah, how, how long I will do that and, and, um, what needs to happen and shift to make, make other things worthwhile. And I, I've always wanted to, you know, have a job where I worked at a theater and then had an artistic outlet where ideally I'd be directing, but um, you know that's that's kind of the the pipe dream. We'll see. I mean, it's certainly possible, but again, there are even fewer uh, artistic associates or artistic directors than there are directors in a season at a theater. Right. So that. That's a very small window that I'd love to break into. If you're out there listening, <laughs> but that's kind of a dream. You a can dream hire. You have. Yeah, for sure. It's always been. Yeah. I think since Being I was able to shape like one artistic institution. Yeah. Yeah. Life. Yeah, I mean, I because I I think it's that perfect balance of artistic stuff where you know I I can still be in a rehearsal room which I love so much oh I just love that <laughs> if I could be in a rehearsal room all day I mean I'd be pretty a pretty happy camper um but then also like the the shaping thing of of producing where I can put together a team of people um with a play that I love or that I think an audience would love and assembling that and overseeing that and putting the things in place to make sure that that's successful. Um, introducing a new playwright to an audience that I think would, you know, it's just, I, I see so much there. <laughs> She's about to wake <laughs> up. Um, yeah, that's definitely like the long-term uh, yeah. happy place run off into the sunset. <laughs> if, if I could do that tomorrow, that'd be awesome. I mean, I am amazed watching you work these day jobs you've had lately just because, I mean, you, what time do you leave for work every morning? Ew. Guys, there, there's a world and I'm in the world. I don't like it, it already. It's 8 a.m. Monday meetings. I don't, nope. I hate it. Nope. nope. I hate it, it for you. It means leaving at 7.15 so I'm not it's late terrible. for so the So you get up at like 6.15. Yeah. Oh, terrible. it's gross. I mean, I'm so in awe of it, but it. To allow you to have 16 weeks paid maternity Listen to this, America. I think this is actually going to be... <laughs> America. Like, <laughs> all of you. Let's, um, let's get our shit together. The compass. Uh, yeah, no, I think the, the maternity leave thing is, I think, going to be a big issue for the upcoming election. Because it, 
I don't know. It's 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 a it's mess. Just, yeah, it is a mess. It's a mess. Not just for artists. No, uh, for that's the thing. I think it's for for anyone. And when we look at other um, other countries that have other things in place, um, Canada. I mean, in England, I think it's like mm-hmm. a year. You get a year <laughs> off to be a mom and figure out your life and family and raising a child <laughs> and dedicating. Which ultimately is beneficial for society. Yeah. But that yeah. child has a good start. Exactly. Um, yeah. As we're just starting to it's, look at like terrifies me. wait lists for yeah. daycare. This is why ah. I'm considering getting a corporate day job <laughs> because it could allow. It's scary to think that that might be the deciding factor in us having a kid. Yeah, no, is having I mean, some kind of support in that way, which has nothing to do with my training well, or field. Also, then tied to health insurance. I mean, mm-hmm. not yeah. that Obamacare hasn't saved so many things. I, I'm so I was so grateful when I was able to go on that, and um, you know, now I just have a a little a more little in flexibility and mm-hmm. options. But um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's a lot, and like. The stability thing is is huge when you're thinking about the financial, not just, you know, emotional and physical responsibilities of a baby, but, I mean, that, that financial burden is real. Um, yeah. And, you know, there's a lot we can, like, skate by with <laughs> for ourselves um, mm-hmm. and cut corners in, in ways, you know, we need to to get by to do what we need to do. Um, but, but, yeah, you don't want to do those same things when a little tiny baby's involved you want everything to to be perfect and it can't be but you at least right but not be worried that you can't afford whatever you need to take care of the kid exactly if we you know (laughs) run out of wives in the middle of the night not that that's happened uh, (laughs) you need to be able to amazon prime okay some some wives that will arrive (laughs) the next day uh yeah and not think like oh that's you know 2588 that like where is that gonna come from because i didn't budget for you know some people never want a fan like never want kids in whatever form Mm -hmm. and that's fine but some people make these huge life decisions dependent only on the fact that they're an artist and they think that they can never financially support them. And that's terrifying to me. Like, I think you should be able to have the family you want to have. You should be able to, if you want to adopt kids, you should be able to adopt kids. If you want to have kids, you should be able to have kids and not have to make that a financial decision. Yeah. Well, and I think for artists, so it's not just a financial decision. It's a, when am I going to work again <laughs> decision, you know, yeah. because it is, it is going to be prohibitive. It's going to be harder. You yeah. know, like you can't, you can't just leave for an audition, you know, for you. Like if you get right. one and you don't have somebody to watch the baby, like, well then it, that's when it becomes really important to have a strong community yeah. that you can depend on. And I know, your family is mostly in Indiana. Mm-hmm. David's family is mostly in Texas. Yeah. But uh, you have a strong community here of friends. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I have so many people. I mean, What's and, happened? you know, we're still in the very early stages of that. But there yeah. was a night um, during the Dracula run where I was hoping um, we had a sitter in place and that fell through. And then it was suddenly like me texting some people 
um, to see if I could get coverage so that I could go to the show. And I was, you know, going to go to the show kind of to watch it for myself for opening, um, opening night, but also, you know, to like run box office. And, um, it ended up working out where I, I actually couldn't find someone. So I, I brought Isabel with me and, you know, she was super and like totally passed out until the, you know, uh, late comers came in at like eight twelve, and she's screaming and I'm trying to like <laughs> quietly let them in. in. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it was a bit of a disaster. I'm like, this is so unprofessional, but, um, <laughs> you know, it all, it all sort of works out. And, and we have so many people here that are like, I mean, kind of scary, like, please leave me with your baby. <laughs> um, I apologize no, that I am one of those no, people. <laughs> you're, you're in the in-between. Like, you're okay. not super crazy eyes when you say it. There's a few where I'm like, uh, uh I might not. not get my kid maybe back, not. but it's, it's probably fine. She'll be in great hands. Um, yeah, we were super lucky that there are so many people here, um, that yeah a drop of a hat if I needed anything you know you're or the people that have just offered to for me like for my sanity like if you need a glass of wine or if you need um just take a shower yeah <laughs> just call me and I will come and I and I do feel comfortable enough to say to yeah any of those close friends you know can you just come over for good a half hour and i or, or can you just bring this to me like i can't leave the apartment and i need this can you uh, can you please bring me toilet I'm glad paper you feel comfortable with that yeah please please do i mean and you know it's new york city so anything can basically be delivered mm-hmm. which is kind of magical and i was trying to explain that to like our in-laws and my parents where you know like oh, we're so sorry you know we can't like, be there okay. to do things i'm like you know a lot someone. A lot can happen here with, yeah, a phone call, a text. Yeah, things can just show up at our door, which is awesome. Groceries, magic. (laughs) What's been the most surprising, surprising thing you've been dealing with since becoming a mom? Oh, wow. I don't know. (laughs) Um, I think because it happened so quickly. I, it's going to sound really selfish, but I, um, because she came so early, I thought my recovery time just in general would be a lot worse. And I think because she came six weeks early, my body didn't get too out of whack, but Mm. we were on a like second floor walk up and I was just sort of envisioning, um, not being able to go up and down the stairs and, not being able to lift anything and like needing so much help. And I actually feel like, you know, I've been fairly self-sufficient since leaving the hospital, which has been awesome. Um, you know, there are a few, <laughs> a few weird health things. Like I had a, a couple of days of like crazy swelling, uh, <laughs> crazy swelling where I was like, I'm going to be like, Shrek feet forever. <laughs> I'm going to have fat foot. Um, so that was really disturbing. But beyond that, it was like, I, I really thought it'd be this long process of getting back to feeling like me. And maybe because the show was running as well. Like I, I felt like 
me right away and I could kind of like jump right back into rehearsal and like have intelligent thoughts on the line changes or maybe the entrance should be from there you know like things that I could you know respond to as now a producer seeing a, a final run of a show and then um you know come home and try to figure out feeding her and not sleeping a lot but mm-hmm. also um being able to run errands on my own and not feeling trapped in my apartment and okay I was gonna ask all that. that yeah yeah, it's been That's better. Really kind of a blessing then. The show was going on. Yeah, I mean, to like um, keep you grounded in your life, mm-hmm. your pre-baby life, even though yeah, now there's I, suddenly obviously this most important focus. Yeah, I think I was ready to like let everything shut down and just like live in this cocoon, and that hasn't been able to happen. And I think it is good that it's been okay. It's just kept going. Life is just still going and now we have this other little person so she's she's along for the ride now (laughs) yeah she's here it's pretty cool is there a project big or small that you've worked on in the last couple years that you are just like surprisingly proud of hmm I mean the first thing that comes to mind like the three-day hangover stuff's been fantastic like I I think I always thought I'd save directing Uncle Vanya until I was 40 and knew exactly how to do it perfectly and so that was really big push for myself adapting that and um directing that and doing it in a bar oh my god it was (laughs) craziness being in it it was so special um I, I mean there was something really special Dracula you know for the reasons I mentioned earlier there was something really special about um, Hank working on that was just a really small group of people. Um, it was just David, Beth, myself, and Chris Grant. And like the birth of that project, that was probably the hardest thing I've maybe ever. <laughs> the and hardest that was process. Henry five and Henry. Four, yeah, it was. Part one and two yeah, it was kind of, of like yeah, combining. Um, Henry four one and two into a retelling of five with Falstaff um, right. and Hank as buddies. So yeah, um, that one. And I mean, ultimately, like R and J is still sort of this magic show for me that I think broke me out of right. the work I was doing. That I felt like, oh, I'm I direct these, you know, very uh, neat and tidy not cookie cutter because they're all beautiful snowflakes but um you know that i i do good work and um i can develop new plays and all that um but though that just changed everything so that'll always be really special for me Mm -hmm. and then um getting to direct at new harmony is the other thing where i'm really proud of um i got to work on i i've done a musical there and that was a while ago but the last two plays um still now with katie bender and tanya in the getaway van with susan i mean there i know it sounds so silly but <laughs> like there's something so special about that place for me and yeah. and being in the place. room and just the the possibility um of of working with new plays is just Mm. Like, that's what it's all about, where it's just, like, this hope and 
vision and yeah like those magical rewrites come in and you hear a scene click for the first time and you're just like yes yes this is it this is art it's magic (laughs) you know um there's nothing that can replace that feeling of like making a play better and like being part of that change oh it's just it's it's like when something clicks in in rehearsal for the first time too where you're like yes I nailed that beat or that moment (laughs) finally feels like something um it's really exciting so are there any things that you feel yourself like turning to again and again when you want to come out of the dark side like things like music that you listen to I don't know that I really do much um other than I I keep myself real busy (laughs) um (laughs) no that's true like I don't I you know after something really uh, all-encompassing I'll you know sit for a week and watch all the Netflix or (laughs) whatever all the West Wing all the West Wing (laughs) (laughs) uh or all the HGTV gosh that's a bad one right now but um fantasize about owning a house but for me, I very often will just see a lot of theater mm-hmm. and good or bad um, and, you know, ideally free <laughs> still <laughs> at this point. I'm saying that in my early 30s, which is sad. No. But. Well, if you want to see a lot of theater, it's not realistic to pay a full price. Yeah. It's too, I mean, truly, it's too expensive. But, um, you know, either comps through friends or I'm, you know, aging out of the, you know, young ticket offer things but um but yeah like tdf and whatever like i i try to see i've always seen a lot of shows and i think that is what it just brings you back yeah fuels me because it's either you know fine which Mm -hmm. is frustrating um terrible which is either you know like very fun because if it's that bad <laughs> that you get to really enjoy it, that's just a good time. But, uh, you know, there are many of those. And then, you know, you always go. You sit down and, you know, if it's one of these shows, the lights get dark and you have that hope for a moment that this is going to be the show that changes your life for right. forever, for a year, for six months, for a day. Um, you know, that's that's the magic that you know you hope for the next question is Mm -hmm. have you seen anything lately that you want to recommend well I know a little out of the loop right now (laughs) yeah it's rough um it was funny when I started listening to the podcast everybody was talking about John and I was like oh yeah oh yeah everybody should see John no whatever go to the library go to the Lincoln Center library and watch that someday I hope that the nuance of that production is captured via (laughs) film I, I, I don't know that I, you know, or what are you looking forward to seeing if you haven't seen anything? Mm, Gosh. Okay. So, um, we've been taught, well, Hamilton is on everyone's list, Mm -hmm. right? So that's, uh, that's a must. I just don't know when or financially how, but maybe Santa will bring me (laughs) (laughs) some Hamilton tickets. Um, because that thing's going to run forever. So that um, we've been talking, David and I, he still talks about seeing um, the Deaf West Big River. And Mm. so he's really excited about the Spring Awakening. um, And I'm excited for that too. What else? Um, I'm totally drawing blanks right now on like everybody's upcoming 
show. Oh, we, this is a little sad because of the controversy around the all white cast, but I am excited for Noises Off because mm. uh, I just think it's so funny. I was a light board <laughs> op for that show in At college, yeah. and I got I know, in nostalgic. trouble. Uh, I, one of the designers, who is also one of our professors, ye- like yelled at me in a, in a design <laughs> meeting after the show because I was being too loud. I was laughing too loud <laughs> during rehearsals, and it was distracting. I was like, I don't Sorry, know how it's guys. distracting Sorry, from your you set, so funny. but. Yeah, get off me. It's oh. hilarious. So um, okay. that's sort of silly and okay. fun. Sylvia, I don't mm-hmm. know why. I, have I really want to see that too. Nostalgia for that play, maybe from school as well. They did that in the undergrad. <sighs> yeah. I think that yeah. cast is sort of super great. Um, I'm only naming big, big shows, but that's okay. I still haven't seen King and I, speaking of. Like, I haven't seen either, I but want, I hear it's amazing. I want to see that. Can you give a little plug for Three Day Hangovers next show? Oh, sure. Hey, you know what I'm really excited <laughs> about, guys, is Tartuffe. Speaking of politics. <laughs> Sex, Tartuffe. drugs, and politics. Yeah, so um, Tartuffe is coming up. Uh, we open, oh gosh, and now, like, new mommy brain wow i haven't said that <laughs> yuck it's like um, november november 4th let me I look it up say. on my phone six beth is directing it yeah beth gardner's directing um jake brandman's doing this hilarious ridiculous like outrageous adaptation mm. um and it's gonna be so much fun i um i'm actually going tomorrow to do a little choreography um i don't know november 4th through the 21st there we go i was right with the fourth yes um it's gonna be super fun and if you haven't seen any like one of our shows yet you should totally check it out threedayhangover.com all spelled out um but tickets are only 15 bucks you drink it's a blast we reimagine these stories that you think you know really well and kind of present them in a new fun but hopefully very poignant and lovely way like part of the the magic of what we do is that we get really great actors um and and they knock it out of the park consistently i'm not uh, and i'm not i'm gonna sound biased but i'm not (laughs) i mean they're like some of the city's best i'm sitting across from one of them now Uh i mean it's really cool to see people get excited about really old plays that they normally would (laughs) drag themselves to only because they're best friends in it and and these are super fun so come check it out yay well i'm kind of it was lovely that Izzy stayed asleep the whole time, but I was kind of I sad. Know. I expected her to Little be awake face. and part of the conversation. Well, if she had been awake, you would have okay. known about it. Okay. She had some moments earlier today <laughs> where I was fearful for tonight. Next time. Next time. Oh, yeah. Maybe she'll be All on right. this someday. Yay. Thank <laughs> you. All right. Thank you, Lori. Thank you for listening to the Compass Podcast. I'm Leah Walsh. More episodes are coming soon. Please look for us on Facebook and iTunes. I'd like to thank the following people for their generosity. The Compass cover art is by Kim Miller. Music by Brendan Spieth. Audio assistance from Nick Choksi. And a special thanks to Frankie J. Alvarez. See you next time.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network.